0: That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you.
1: Two percent, two percent, two percent.
0: The two percent's right over here.
1: Oh, hey, Jenna. I didn't know you shopped here.
0: Uh, yeah, anything to support local food, know what I mean?
1: I
2: definitely do, though that's not the only thing you do in the name of Good Eats, obviously.
0: Well, true. I also host Eating Matters every Wednesday at 5 p.m. where we talk about food policy and how it impacts all of us. Be sure to tune in. Alright, gotta get the plug in there, I get it.
1: Yep, I'm hashtag shameless.
2: You know what else you can do to support the local food community, right?
1: Well, yeah. Make a donation to Heritage Radio Network, the world's pioneer
0: food radio station.
1: That's right. And I gotta call you out on the whole local thing. What do you mean? Well, the Farm Report, A Taste of the Past, Japan Eats—those are shows that take you around the country and the world.
0: I'll give you that. So, how can listeners give their support?
1: It's pretty easy. Just go to heritageradionetwork.org and click
2: on the big red heart in the top right corner. It's pretty easy from there. Thanks. Today's program is brought to you by MoFAD, the museum of food and drink. For more information, visit mofad.org.
0: I'm Dave Arnold, host of Cooking Issues. You're listening to Heritage Radio Network, broadcasting live from Bushwick, Brooklyn. If you like this program, visit heritageradionetwork.org for thousands more.
3: Love Bites is produced by Heritage Radio Network, a non member-supported radio station devoted to all things food. Help keep HRN alive by becoming a member today. Go to heritageradionetwork.org and click on the beating heart to donate. Do it now, and we will love you for it. Welcome to Love Bites, coming at you from Heritage Radio Network. Today is Monday, July 18th. I'm one of your hosts, Jacqueline Raposo. I write about people who make food. You can find me at wordsfoodart.com. I'm 34 straight and single.
4: And I'm your other host, Ben Rosenblatt. Yes, you are. I am an actor, writer, musician, occasional bartender and server. You can check me out at benrosenblattactor.com. I am 33 straight and I don't know what I am right now because (laughs) we're not live. We're not live. And I might be in a relationship. I might not be. Yeah, so right now
3: it's June. June and we just recorded a show about Ben's relationship. So whoa! whoa, whoa, whoa. Don't call
4: it. Well, because
3: you're not calling her your girlfriend as of today, yeah, but June 27. You 27th. made
4: such like, a like a. Ooh sound. Oh, I didn't mean
3: to make it that. So, all right, hold on. And uh, so we don't know Can if Ben's it, is, like, like a what, what relationship. <laughs> is that perky or? Anyway, Whatever. so as of now, June 27th, Ben is in a relationship. He is not single, whether he's declared it or not. But, but, <laughs> oh. Oh,
4: David We've been asking for it,
3: and David delivers. Thank you, David. Um, so yeah, as of June 27th, we don't know exactly what's going on. We, or we do know what's going on then as of July 18th. We don't know, so we will get back to you about that next week. Um, but after our break today, we're going to be joined by Iris Higgins, a life coach, hypnotherapist, and the founder of the online retreat center, the Goldilocks Movement, to discuss the power of positivity and tapping into our most authentic selves. Do
4: you think she can hypnotize? me over the phone.
3: Yes, because I've done that with her over the phone, actually. Yeah, so so Iris is my new life coach. I've been working with her since January through the Goldilocks movement, and it's really awesome, which is why I wanted to have her on the show. And we, d- well, I've done two hypnotherapy sessions with her over the phone, and I am shocked at the shit that I've learned about myself. And we've talked about how we're overthinkers and things like that. I've learned shit from Iris, so I'm really excited that she's on the show that today. That is so
4: cool. I can't wait to talk to yeah.
3: her. Yeah. So Iris' shtick is, is, is tapping into your, authentic, your most authentic self, sort of breaking boundaries, things like that. So let's start the show with each sharing one untraditional aspect of our lives that we want to either celebrate more or apologize for less. So why don't you start, Ben?
4: Okay. Um, well, I'm an actor, mm-hmm. and that... Is a very kind of up and down lifestyle, especially on the financial front, um, and I've I have a bit of shame surrounding that. Mm, definitely, and I'm trying to Agreed. shed that. Um, I also have a bit of shame surrounding the fact that because of that financial situation, um, and because of the nature of the business, I often miss big family events. I miss, um, you know, things I should that I feel like I should right. be there for. Yeah. Um, like being with my dad this past father's day, I ended up having to like pick up a shift and work because yeah, it's
3: common for people in hospitality too. You work holidays. Yeah.
4: yeah. And so I often really beat myself up about that. And my family is great about being understanding and, you know, not making me feel guilty, but you know, as a person who's always very hard on himself, that's, I struggle with that. And so I think for me, I'm going to try to apologize Less for that and beat myself up less for that, and just embrace the fact that that's part of who I am, and that you know that's a result of you know a lot of the good part of myself and what I do offer the world uh, through my art, and try to remember that and keep that in mind. Lovely, how about you?
3: Um, Mine is that so I've never worked in an office before, right now, I'm a freelance writer before that. I was an actor and a teacher. And, um, I that's find awesome, right. Which I think is awesome, but I find a lot of people can sort of look either condescendingly at that. They're like, Oh, that's so cute. You know, like you get to write from home. That really? must be so, yeah, that people think it's like charming and quaint and like, Oh, you get to be an artist where honestly, like I have to be my own boss and employee. I have to, like, I, invoice and receive money and schedule and and it's hard being a freelance writer. I Sometimes I'm barely scraping a living. I do a lot of things that I love, but it is not easy. And so people sort of condescending makes me feel like I'm constantly having to defend myself or sort of or play along with it sometimes. And that's what that's what I want to let go of the whole like, oh, yeah, it's great. I can walk my dog whenever I want. And I can, you know, like I'm at my desk and I am working. And um, in some ways, I think it would be easier to just show up at an office uh, every day. Because that structure is
4: provided for you, exactly. as opposed to having to. Have I do. The I do everything for structure. myself.
3: I'm an artist and a businesswoman, and I it's do all my social difficult. media. It's very hard. And you're amazing a
4: lot. at it. I. Thank yeah, you. I know. I keep. I've said that on the show numerous so times. Yeah, but it's so true you. that I mean, Jacqueline, you're one of the most self motivated people I've. I think I've ever known. So
3: I want to stop. I want to stop playing into the like. Oh yeah, it's cute. I'm so lucky to get to do what I do because yes, I am. But it's it's a hard choice to make. It is. Be, you're doing it, you know. Being a freelancer and doing it on your own, I think it, it's not it's not easier. And so I want to stop playing into the idea that it's cute and easier to to do this. Um. So yeah. So that's all right. Awesome. Good so, for you. So thank you. So um, when we have Iris on in a little bit, we're going to talk a lot about intuition and how she helps people tap into their intuition. So I want to talk about intuition in dating, um, and the idea that like, oh, I saw that person and I knew or I had a feeling this was going to go bad, and it went bad, or something like that. Like I feel like there's we could have so many different discussions about this. But has there been a time in your life, Ben, that you have felt in either direction that intuition has served you well or served you poorly romantically?
4: I think it can intuition can often turn into a self fulfilling prophecy. Mm. Um, and so or an excuse or an excuse. Yes. Um. I. I mean, to answer your direct question, yeah, I've had times where. I feel like my intuition has been I feel like my intuition is usually pretty right. Um, and you know I was dated this one girl for a while and when it when it started I was really into her and I was like, "You know what? This girl is going to break my heart. She's she going to break my fucking heart." And then she did. But who knows if I had just been like if I'd been thinking <laughs> I'm going to break her heart, if maybe like that would have right, been the, the case. but on the flip side, you know? like the
3: time that I really got my heart broken, intuitively i thought like oh this is the guy and he was giving me all those signals too so it was not like i went into it blindly but i was like oh it, like in my gut intuitively i was like oh this is the person who i'm spending the rest of my life with and you, so i was just as like heart-wrenchingly hurt because that felt like a betrayal of myself um but so you, i feel like it can go sort of can either you way. talk a little
4: bit about what it, what you mean when you say intuitively you felt that like what that experience actually is for you
3: i think it just everything felt right um, and it felt very much like oh i found like i found the person who fits all of these things i didn't even know i want and he he um made he just made me happy in ways that uh just seemed very natural and very and i th- and i think i did the same for him and it just sort of and there was a very quick but natural progression in us our lives sort of intertwining and it really did felt and and i was and i got the idea from him too that like this is it we found the person and it did feel like it just felt Instinctively, right. And so when I got broken up with, I was like, wait, but this is the only time I felt, you know, cosmically intuitively. So has that shifted
4: your own relationship with your intuition?
3: Um, it definitely for a while made me afraid to. It made me angry at my intuition, and it made me. Um, and and I was dealing with a lot of things after that relationship. You know, overall, but I think it, it mostly. Let's just jump forward. Like So, yeah, I definitely doubted my intuition and I felt betrayed by it. But I think one thing that's been more interesting the past year or so as we've explored this show is that you and I have talked a lot about like breaking patterns and that intuition sort of you and I have tried being more open minded with dating. So I feel like there have been circumstances the past year where my intuition is like, mm, this isn't going to work out. But I have pushed forward anyway k- to keep an open mind and to make sure I wasn't getting in my own way and blah, blah, blah. blah. And it didn't work out anyway. I was like, oh, eh, no, I was intuitively pretty right. Like this sort of went the way I thought it was going to go, even though I was not trying to encourage it in that direction. So I don't, so honestly, I don't know what I believe about intuition. I don't, I really don't. I think, I think intuition, when we speak romantically, is can be hormones and it can be just like, oh, that person is cute or hot and I want to bed them or.
4: Yeah. I mean, I, it- I mean, one of the questions that you said we might discuss today is like: is do you believe in love at first sight? Right. Right? And for me, I believe in lust Lust at at first first sight for sure. I mean, I think I experienced that, you know, a dozen, a baker's dozen times a day, you know. (laughs) Um, And so, yeah, and oftentimes we can mistake lust. And lust brings with it right. feelings of romance and feelings of desire and feelings of you know what we might mistake for love from time to time.
3: Yeah, but see, I think I think that in but see, to me, I still think the idea like yes, I put this in the in the questions for us. Like, I still think love at first sight is a different idea than intuitively knowing or or assuming something, and so. I have no conclusion about this. And it's actually something I do struggle with, like in my work, both with Iris that we're going to, and mean, we're not going to get to my work with Iris, but, uh, with work oh, why not? I might get to your work. Um, rec- I
4: might start asking but, Iris like also, like, about you. but in my life, break through in that psyche. No, gen-
3: <laughs> no way. Um, but in general, in general with my work, with meditation, with my work, with my relationship with my body, because that's a problem when you have a chronic illness is that, your intuition sometimes like the messages your body is sending you are sometimes not the messages you want anyway, or they're conflicting or confusing or you want your body to be telling you something else because it sucks living with illness. So honestly, as much as I do try to be genuine in a moment and be honest with myself, I still don't honestly know if I have an idea about like, if I believe in following intuition well, necessarily. I, I think part of the
4: problem is that even our intuition, I think is bound is limited to our own previous experiences right. and our own knowledge of the world and our own view of the world at the time. And so we can have intuition based on that, right. that once we have a new experience later on, is like, oh, now I, my intuition will sh- is shifted now because...
3: It's- I want to throw the flip side of that too, is that like if we're trying to not follow... If we're trying to to... Be honest and present with, with speaking about romantically in the moment with someone, too, is that our intuition can be shaped by the day we've had, the mood we're in, the lighting, the exactly. if we're drunk at all or not, totally if we're agree. sober, I feel like, for me, I feel like there's less baggage coming because of my past relationships or experience, and there is more the way I feel in on any given day, and so I feel like intuition can be swayed by so many different it, factors, including what's happening in the present moment.
4: Intuition is just a feeling, yes. like any other, and feelings come and go. Right. And therefore, I am loath to let my intuition be the thing that guides me, as opposed to my choices and what I know that I want in my life to be the guide.
3: But we also just did say before <laughs> that when we've like gone against our intuition about somebody, be like, oh, I'm gonna try to be more open minded and see where this goes. Like you and I did talk a couple months ago about like, oh, we're trying to be more open minded and we're trying to like not let an intuitive feeling of this isn't gonna work stop us from still trying with someone. And then we've been just like, then well,
4: back anyway. in June when this is recording, <laughs> that's what I'm doing, and it's it's working for me. Fighting I, I am going right. again a little bit against my. Tuition and like, it's. I'm finding as I develop more of a closeness and a more of an emotional intimacy with the person that I'm dating, that it's, you know, I'm finding that really valuable and really comforting right. and really worthwhile. And so, I actually think that fighting that intuition is not even the right word. So that's the thing. But, I think
3: intuition is such an elusive thing, and like.
4: It is. And we may never be able to wrap our heads around the uh, real definition of of intuition. Yes, we will need to talk with Iris about that. Um, We're going to take a quick break, but first... um, uh, next week.
3: And when you're hearing this next week. Yeah. Uh, we
4: are, yes, ne- next week in July. <laughs> in it's July. All very, getting very confusing in this time <laughs> travel here that we're doing. Uh, we're taking a break as Jacqueline travels to Barcelona to turn 35. Whoa, Ooh. you are old.
3: <laughs> and you're turning 34 like two weeks later. True. So nice,
4: right? uh, but she'll discover while she's there what, loves lo- well, uh, what love looks like with a little Spanish influence so it's a great time to catch up on loves bites radio all of our shows are available at heritage radio network.org and on the podcast app on itunes so please check us out give us a rating review us while you're there only if you have positive things to say (laughs) and find more about all of our past shows and guests um at lovebitesradio.com. we'll be right back with iris higgins
2: Hi, this is Peter Kim, the Executive Director of MOFAD, the Museum of Food and Drink. We're a nonprofit founded by Dave Arnold, the host of Cooking Issues here on the Heritage Radio Network, and we want to take people on a learning adventure through the world of food. We just opened MOFAD Lab, our gallery space at 62 Bayard Street in Williamsburg, Brooklyn, where we are currently showing flavor, making it and faking it. Flavor features some very cool sensory interaction. Flavor tablets deliver tastings of vanilla and umami. And the Willy Wonka-inspired smell synth lets you compose over half a million different flavors. So come on by and visit MoFad Lab. We're open five days a week, and tickets are $5 for kids and $10 for adults. Learn more about the Museum of Food and Drink at mofad.org.
3: Iris Higgins is a certified hypnotherapist and the creator of the Goldilocks Movement, a virtual retreat center where she teaches women to embrace their creativity and hone their intuition. She lives with her boyfriend and their young son in Prescott, Arizona, where she's calling in from. <laughs> where she's calling in from. You can find more at www.yourfairyangel.com. Welcome to Love Bites, Iris. How you doing? Good. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so happy you're here. Um, so we, I did admit to our listeners that you are my the coach that i work with now and how much i love your program so i'm really happy to have you on and ben has decided that he's going to try to get personal things about your work with me out on the radio and i've told him that we are a circle of women who will never betray each other so um, so the pressure is yeah. on not to be
4: uh, swayed by me here iris i won't be too hard on you
3: so um one of the one of the statements that you make in your work is that you uh work with women to embrace their creativity and hone their intuition so let's go back to where you realized you were not doing those things. What happened in your life um, that, that made you come to that realization?
1: Yeah. So I was actually living in Brooklyn at the time and working in Manhattan. And I had, you know, the traditional nine to five job. I was working as a weight loss consultant where I was teaching women um, how to diet and follow sort of a, a diet template. So there was no creativity, no intuition, no listening to your body, and I was going through a period of a pretty deep depression myself, um, just feeling like there there was nothing really, there was nothing exciting going on in my life. I was not listening to my intuition, and I knew that in the relationship that I was in. Um, it was It was time to leave, and I knew that. And there was just you know that feeling of going to work and coming home and being so tired that I had no time for anything else in my life. Um, so you know for for me, the things that I started to do happened kind of randomly, but I somehow I ended up with a copy of Julia Cameron's The Artist's Way." And so I started writing the morning pages and just writing in my journal every single morning, whatever. I was feeling. And I also started a blog about that time, um, also really, really randomly. I just one day decided, oh, this is this is fun. I'm gonna do it. And um, turned into you know this big recipe blog and had a lot of fun learning how to be creative with food. So for me, it actually started with being creative with food, and it has since turned into something completely different. But that's where it started.
3: What was the biggest change you made? Um, And so listeners, I'm going to sort of catch us up as far as like Iris left that relationship, moved across the country, left the dieting company. There's a lot of um, fun stuff to explore. a lot of backstory.
0: A lot of backstory
3: that's really really, um, quite inspiring. So what was sort of, what was the first step in making a big change for yourself when, you know, you had the blog going, you knew that you were not exactly happy. How did you move from one place to the next?
0: Mm.
1: well hmm. okay so I would say that the small steps that took me there were the writing and that was on the blog and in my journal just writing every day really helped me to start to tune into my intuition and at the time I wouldn't have called it that I just I knew I was writing down what I was feeling um, but the big change was was yeah leaving my job and moving across the country and when I moved to Seattle I I basically did the opposite of everything I'd been doing before. Like I really just took care of myself. I did lots of yoga. I took lots of walks. I really focused on my own self-care and prioritized that above everything else. And um, I kind of let go of that, that person who was the good girl who had to have the right job and the right boyfriend and, and uh, just do what everyone wanted them to do.
3: Do you find there's a commonality with women, since you work primarily with women, as far as why we do not inherently sort of guide guide ourselves into living the lives that we want and instead of fall into traps of this is what I should be doing or the career or life that I should be in? Is there sort of a commonality you found in your work?
1: Yes. I think at the core, and I don't know if it's just women, I I work occasionally with men, but mostly with women, Um, but I think... At the core, we often don't believe that we're deserving of what we want and we don't believe that we're enough. So, you know, when we get really quiet and we think about what we want, there's this other voice that says, well, you don't deserve that yet. Like you're not enough just as you are.
4: Very interesting. I know that I've certainly experienced that and I'm sure that everyone on some level feels that way. Iris, as someone who's unfamiliar with your work and the term even hypnotherapy the part that jumps out Mm -hmm. for me as someone who's engaged in a lot of therapy myself is the hypno part and i'm like ooh, like she's gonna put me under some (laughs) spell can you demystify that for me a little bit and guide me a little bit through like what a hypnotherapy session looks like
1: yes and i have to say that before i took um again this happened randomly i was taking a class in grad school, and I had to do a presentation on hypnotherapy, and I thought, oh, I, I hate that. I I went to a hypnotist once when I was 18, and it was not a particularly good experience, and she had a very different style from how I was taught, but, you know, I thought, oh, I don't, I don't want to be hypnotized. I don't, like, that's not what I want, <laughs> but basically, when you do a hypnotherapy session, I just lead you through a guided meditation so that you feel really relaxed, and then Have you ever seen the movie Inside Out?
4: I haven't, but I really want to.
1: (laughs) It's really good. But basically, in the movie, um, there's a little girl, and all of her emotions are personified. So you have a character that's anger and a character that's happiness. And when I'm working with someone, a lot of what I do is just help them to personify their emotions. So if somebody is... You know, dealing with jealousy, for instance, I help them to turn it into a character that can talk to them and help them to understand what its purpose is and what it wants from them and what it needs. Um, Very so interesting. There's no sorry. Yeah, there's no hocus pocus or mumbo jumbo. It's really just like you're completely aware the whole time, and we're talking back and forth.
4: Je- Jacqueline is over here bashfully smiling and nodding, saying, yeah, we it makes, did that exercise. It, makes
3: so sense. It's, it just makes a lot of sense that you referenced that movie because in my last session with Iris, yeah, like the positive emotion was like a cute little Cinderella bird and the mean <laughs> one was like a scary huge tarantula. And by the end of my session with her, I understood why they were both there and they were friends and I learned a lot from that session. But the, the idea that, of personifying those emotions... Um, makes complete sense to me now um, so <laughs> so what do you find women most take away from that type of therapy where you personify the things that are going on in your head how do you get how do you get us to move past these roadblocks mm-hmm. that we have
1: yeah you know I actually just had a session um, with a man the first guy I've worked with in a really long time but What he said when he came out was, that is the most compassionate I have ever been towards myself. Mm. Wow. Yeah. (laughs) We're really, we judge ourselves so much and we're so hard on ourselves. And when people come into a session with me, I think that's the one thing I want them to, to learn how to do is just be kinder and more compassionate and like really take care of yourself.
3: Along that line, um, I want to sort of leak one of your exercises that I found particularly helpful are the cards of awesomeness that you came up with recently, which I think um, a lot of what I've learned being part of your group is, like you just said, this negativity and lack of compassion we give ourselves. So just as an example for our listeners, since they can't all do a hypnotherapy session with you right now, can you explain sort of how you came up with the cards of awesomeness and what it is so that maybe that can be a takeaway for our listeners? as far as how to treat ourselves with more kindness.
1: Yeah. I came up with them because I was having a really hard time being hard on myself. And as you know, I'm an entrepreneur, and that can be a really hard uh, career to take on. And so I was having one of those weeks where I just kept saying, like, oh, I'm a failure, I'm a failure, I'm doing all these things wrong. And then I was looking at my my little son, who's almost two, and just thinking – You know, do I say that to him when he makes a mistake because he makes mistakes all the time. Like he's just learning to do everything. But no, I like tell him how great he is and he can do it again and it's hard, but he can keep trying. And I just tell him how wonderful he is. And I realized that we need to do that for ourselves. So I started writing myself a little love note every morning, just saying, Dear Iris, you are awesome. I love you so much. And, you know, I started doing that for myself, and I wrote it to my business. I would started writing them to my boyfriend and leaving them on his pillow, and um, just writing them for anything in my life that I needed a more supportive relationship with. And so that's something I recommend it for, I, you know, I just recommend everybody to do. Like, every morning, just write yourself a little love note and tell yourself how great you are.
3: And listeners, it's such a simple thing, but mine are literally, I say, like, dear Jacqueline, you are awesome. You are hardworking and focused and you contribute things to the world and I love you no matter what and, and I sign it love Jacqueline and it's on my desk like for that day whatever I'm struggling with and it's made a huge difference and it's such a small thing and you have so many small things through your program that I think are just really helpful as far as just being more positive with ourselves and giving ourselves more of a break that's been one of my favorites and
4: what's the idea yeah. behi- what's the idea iris behind that ultimately that it cre- that it creates a new habit mentally or how does that do you have, do you know anything about like the brain how that works in the brain
1: i the idea for me was just that uh, you know i've been in so many hypnotherapy sessions and and just talking with women where the people in their lives are not being unconditionally supportive of them and of course that's not everybody but for a lot of people i've seen that lately and you know i just realized that we could Like, we can only be our own best supporters. Like, we have to be our own cheerleader. We have to be the one person that will never let us down and will always unconditionally love ourselves. So I don't know about the brain science behind it um, because I'm so into the intuition. stuff. (laughs) I do ignore that stuff.
4: Sure. But
1: but I just know that it works.
4: Excellent. Great. (laughs) <laughs> i 'm all for anything that works, <laughs> even if we don 't know why um, you do you do in addition to your one on one sessions some group hypnotherapy sessions and where a few women might be listening to someone else 's session and then vice versa. Can you talk to a little bit about like what the difference is in that dynamic and you know if you mm-hmm. have a preference in your work between the two, or you know is there anything that surprises you from your work in the group sessions?
1: Yeah, I mean, I love doing both. I have been really surprised by how much I've enjoyed doing the group sessions um, because I would have thought that it would be a little bit awkward if you're doing hypnotherapy and somebody's listening in on your session. Um, Awkward for me and awkward for the person that I'm working with. And uh, Jacqueline's been on the other side, so maybe she can tell a little bit more. Maybe it is awkward for her. But what I have found is that when you have women listening and supporting you and then afterwards, you know, chiming in and just giving you some extra encouragement, it it feels like it feels like the encouragement and support is just amplified. So I have actually really begun to enjoy doing those sessions.
3: Yeah. From the other side, I'd say, like, just people being open to be vulnerable with each other is where that support comes from, like listening to each other, Mm -hmm. going through things and just just really everybody being open and. Um, yeah, just vulnerable for the work and then just having the support of other of other people. It's yeah, it just make, I feel like it makes us all stronger as a team. Um, so you'd mentioned intuition before. And in our first session, Ben and I just talked about romantic intuition and how it can be like our, our ally or our enemy. And we actually did not come into any conclusions. I think I left the conversation <laughs> a little bit more confused about how intuition can work romantically because it could be the whole love at first sight, hormones, alcohol, the moon, whatever, or it could be something guiding you to be like, yeah, I just really don't think this person and I are sort of on the same wavelength and we can sort of fight that. So from your perspective, how can we best use intuition when embracing a new romantic partner? Mm
1: -hmm. Well, I think one of the most important things, especially, in a new relationship is to continue to make space for yourself because so often we, we get so you know excited by it that we just want to spend all of our time with them. And when we're not making space for ourselves, it's really hard to even hear our intuition. So that's one thing. The other thing is I think it's important to learn how to listen to your body's emotions. So, you know, let's say you're super, you're super excited about a new relationship, but you're not really sure if you're not sure if it's because the other person's not quite as into it, so you're chasing them and there's that excitement of it, or if it's because you really like this person. you know there's always sort of that chased you know, like one of you is chasing one of you is the chaser and there's feelings around both of that. But if you just get quiet and feel into the emotions that you feel around that, You can do that same thing where you personify them and listen to them and ask them, you know, what is it you're really here for? What do you really want to tell me? And they usually will tell you what you need to know.
3: You mentioned quiet, and that's something Ben and I did not discuss as far as like giving ourselves (laughs) space and quiet around intuition and really being able to analyze sort of why we're feeling the way we feel. Um, So that's very interesting. What about on the flip side when it's not somebody new, but when you're struggling with a clash of you know, emotion or communication, how can intuition serve us in relationships where we're sort of, you know, we might have some roots with a person, um, but are trying to Mm -hmm. figure out, you know, the path that we as a couple or individual should be taking.
1: Right. I think whenever you're having a clash of emotions or, you know, you're fighting with someone, there's usually the, the thing that you're fighting about and then there's all the emotional baggage behind it. So If you can take a step back from the argument, take a step back from the other person, and pretty much everything I do always comes back to this, like listening to your body, feeling the emotion, letting it become a character that can talk to you, it is so useful in so many ways. And if you can, you know, get into that feeling that you have when you're fighting with this person, and then figure out what the emotional baggage is around that and help to release that then you can go back into the conversation without all that. And it also, like once you don't have all that baggage, the other person tends to calm down too.
4: What would you say for someone who maybe doesn't have access to or can't afford a session right now to like do for themselves, to be able to really listen to their own intuition? Like what's a step that someone can take on their own to like do some of this work?
1: Yeah, you know, I think, the most important things we can all do right now is to give ourselves a little bit more quiet time and silence and especially with technology being the way it is right now and like as adults and well, even as kids you know we're all on our iPads and smartphones and so if you can set your timer for 10 minutes a day and then just sit and you know I like to sit on my couch get nice and relaxed but just sit and let your mind wander for 10 minutes that is one of the best things you can do like, your mind will just kind of wander to
3: where it needs to. And 10 minutes is really hard for some people. <laughs> is 10 minutes hard for you, Ben? Can you sit in silence for 10 minutes?
4: I can, but I really need to either focus on my breath. I need something to focus on, I think. it's. I mean, if I really just let my mind wander, my body will probably start to wander too, and I'll get up and I'll start pacing around and doing all that kind of shit, <laughs> you know? So I need to either focus yeah. on my breath or give myself you know, something to be thinking about or focusing on. Mm.
3: Interesting. Right. Well, before we let you go, Iris, I have a que- I have one more question about how your work affects you personally. So a lot of your work and our work together has been about embracing with vulnerability whatever struggles we're facing on any, any given day. We mentioned that with the Cards of Awesomeness, with the hypnotherapy um, listeners. A lot of the sessions just start with, you know, how are you, you know, what are you feeling in your body right now? where is your emotion sitting and then you know Mm -hmm. through the session we explore what that is and why that's there and how to sort of come to how to embrace and have some peace with it so what are you iris as somebody who has built is building her career and has built the goldilocks movement through this what are you most struggling with right now and how are you considering especially that you're sort of the expert at this work now (laughs) how what are you doing to overcome it how are you working through your greatest struggles right now
1: so, you know, I guess if we're being completely vulnerable, then one of my biggest struggles right now is definitely money. Um, being an entrepreneur and, you know, it's just, it's very hard. Um, but, you know, I used to be a weight loss consultant and so I was very steeped in the culture of dieting. And the way that I got out of that was to start doing the opposite of whatever, um, whatever I had been taught to do. You know, like if I spent my whole, like 10 years trying to eat less, I stopped doing that. and was like, I'm, I'm going to go ahead and let myself eat more. And if I think I have to exercise every day, two hours a day, I'm going to go ahead and let myself exercise less. And so I've actually been doing the same thing around money and my business and you know, taking those giant money goals and saying, i want to just set a smaller goal and, You know, with marketing, oh, I have to do this. I have to do Twitter and Instagram, and I've stopped and just now I just do Facebook because Facebook is fun, and I'm just really relaxing a lot around it, and it's actually made a huge difference. Like within the last couple of weeks, as soon as I started to relax and um, work with that mindset stuff, just some clients started coming in.
4: It's really insightful and. Very interesting that that it works that way i mean i think oftentimes we put pressure on ourselves and that pressure then generates you know it becomes a wall
3: higher expectations Mm -hmm. yeah 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 um so we started the show with ben and i each sharing something that's untraditional about our lives that we want to apologize for less so could you sort of close us out with something that you want to apologize for less in your life
1: Yeah, so something that is um, untraditional for my family is that my boyfriend and I both work part-time so that one of us can always be with my son. And that's something that I have felt a lot of guilt around, a lot of shame around, because we're not working full-time, and so we don't have as much money. But, you know, at the end of the day, like... You know, having having that special family time, especially when when Jamie's little, is just so important to me. So it's beautiful. that's something I want to apologize for, love. Yeah,
3: I think that's one of the best things to not apologize for. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. Well, thank you so much for joining us today, Iris. Uh, listeners, you can find Iris Higgins at um, at yourfairyangel.com. The program is called The Goldilocks Movement. Um, by the time this airs, the session is going to be already in sync, but you can find out more information about how that works. You can also email me if you want more at lovebytesradio at gmail.com. Iris, thank you so much for calling in today. We really appreciate it. Thanks, Iris. Thank you so much for having me. Thanks. So, listeners, that is our show for today. Uh, next week, we are out of here for our little mini break. I will be in Barcelona turning 35. Uh, but we'll be back August 1st with our final Our Bodies Ourselves for the season. Um, this was one of them as well. It's been really fun exploring the way our bodies work with relationships this season. Benjamin, you did a little shimmy when I said our bodies ourselves Mm. a little antsy over there Uh, so so we will be back on August 1st with Dr. Cheryl Kinsberg she's the chief of the behavioral medicine department at University Hospital's Case Medical Center and she'll be speaking with us about summer sex drives like why aka why Jacqueline gets really antsy for sex during the summer um, and hypoactive sexual desire disorder disorder, which is basically the opposite of that why uh, some people have very low sex drives in general so come back and join us on August 1st for that until then thanks to our end David our theme song is Give Love by Josh Dion and we are Jacqueline Raposo and Ben Rosenblatt we'll be back in a few weeks here at heritageradionetwork.org adios Audio adios Jacqueline